Well, there was a, a huge increase in products related to baking. Mm-hmm. We also saw an increase in sales for items related to indulgence, such as ice cream. Yeah, so we were all just home eating our feelings, and that was really good for you guys. I know initially there was some concern this could be really bad for the dairy industry. I think I saw reports that, like, milk had to be dumped. Were you initially worried this could go in a different direction? I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. It's been a tough year for so many businesses. Demand for many products has plummeted while we're all stuck at home. That's true for everything from lipstick to kegs of beer. But one local business had a banner 2020. Prairie Farms Dairy is the area's largest dairy collective. It's based in Edwardsville, and it includes 800 farms. And its business was actually up last year, way up. And joining us today to explain why is Darren Copeland. He's the public relations manager at Prairie Farms Dairy. Darren, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show. So your sales in many product lines were way up last year, which saw some of the biggest gains. Well, it, there was a, a huge increase in products related to baking. Hmm. So, uh, so we saw a lot of uh, interest in things like butter, sour cream, and cream cheese. Uh, obviously, uh, staples in the in the kitchen for baking, and we also saw an increase in sales for items related to indulgence, such as ice cream and our uh, North Star branded uh, frozen treats. So. There was uh, that segment of um, consumers who were interested in uh, comfort foods, indulgence, and nostalgia. And, and uh, in, in an odd kind of way, those events all combined to uh, help us close out 2020 with uh, solid retail volume growth. So mm. it was... Uh, something I don't think we could have expected this time last year. Yeah, so we were all just home eating our feelings, and that was really good for you guys. I know initially there was some concern this could be really bad for the dairy industry. I think I saw reports that, like, milk had to be dumped. Were you initially worried this could go in a different direction? Yeah, and, you know, and and, and I would like to say that there are still difficult times ahead for the dairy industry, and, and uh, you know, we're not totally out of the woods yet in this thing, but Mm-hmm. At least for the Prairie Farms Cooperative, um, I think we were we did a you know really great job of uh, navigating the pandemic and and uh, we're we're hopeful that uh, consumers will stay with us when when we come out the other side. Mm-hmm. How big a complication was it when schools closed? Were they a big part of your business before this? Definitely, schools and and restaurants um, make up a large uh, percentage of business for us. And when we were you know, we got to the beginning of the pandemic this time last year. We could immediately see there was going to be a large disruption to our uh, business in those areas. And so you, we had to figure out what to do with the uh, the fluid milk volume that would normally be going to schools and restaurants. And, you know, how are we going to uh, to take that and put it elsewhere where it was needed? Yeah, so how, how did you do that? I imagine that would be hard to adjust on the fly. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a lot of hard work by our teams uh, everywhere to uh, to navigate that. A lot of that volume wound up going to grocery stores. Uh, hmm. We saw um, a substantial increase uh, in um, product need at the grocery store. 
Um, there was also uh, a large demand for uh, dairy products and food boxes that were distributed to food banks last year through the uh, USDA food box program. Hmm. So we were able to to plug into those areas to uh, help us navigate the uh, roller coaster ride of the uh, of the pandemic last year. Did you have to um, adjust what equipment was being used where? I imagine it's much different selling like a gallon jug to a grocery store than those little cardboard cartons our kids get at school. Yeah, there was definitely more interest uh, in milk gallons, but interesting, some retailers, including Walmart and others, were accepting the school milk size, those little half-pint cartons, hmm. in in the uh, in the bunkers that are right there in the grocery store. So if we weren't able to um, bring them to schools, uh, we found retail partners that were able to take those, and, um, and obviously consumers love that uh, for the convenience factor uh, at the grocery store. Hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your history, because I think it plays into how you were able to handle this last year. Uh, the first dairy uh, Prairie Farms plant opened in 1938. What was the idea back then? The idea in the 1930s was to form cooperatives, and there was a series of dairy cooperatives around the state of Illinois. They were known as producers, creameries, and one of the largest of those uh, formed in Carlinville, Illinois, producers creamery of, um, of Carlinville. Over the years, you know, there was um, a series of um, mergers and acquisitions between these creameries, and, and eventually Prairie Farms Cooperative was, uh, was formed with the idea of protecting dairy farmers from the ups and downs of uh, price fluctuations in the market. Mm -hmm. And um, that uh, model, as you see, still stands with us today. Does that get hard, though, when you're facing a point of crisis and suddenly your industry, everything is changing, and instead of having just one big centralized corporation, you really have like 800 different businesses that are part of what you're doing? Well, that's correct. We are farmer-owned, and so each uh, each dairy farmer family across the Midwest and parts of the South have a little piece of the business. And um, you know what what might be selling hot in Kentucky may not be selling so well in Michigan or Indiana or, or Illinois. So hmm. we're you know, the, the good news is we're we're a very local food business, and our, our dairy farms are um, placed strategically very close to the plants that process that milk and. And um, our model is to be local and fresh, and it's a, it's a pretty amazing story of, of, of how our milk can get from the grocery store, or from the, I should say, from the dairy farm to the grocery store shelf within 48 hours. And uh, that has always been our model and will continue to be. Hmm. How big is your footprint at this point? You know, we're, um, we're doing business in about 17 states around the Midwest and parts of the South. Um, we actually recently expanded to some new territories uh, last spring um, with the acquisition of a form, some of the former Dean Foods plants. Uh, they had some milk plants up in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Alabama, and Louisiana, and also one over in Ohio that we were able to, um, to expand. So that takes our territory from the upper Midwest all the way down to the Gulf Coast and hmm. uh, from Ohio over to, uh, to Missouri. Hmm, so that's a pretty big footprint there. At the same time, though, I understand you've described it as a company that never bid off more than it could chew. Has this been pretty slow growth to get to this point? It really has. When you, when you look back at the uh, the growth of the company and the model, the path that was taken, it was never about huge, large acquisitions. It was always about slowly growing and taking on business, doing it the right way, building the business the right way. 
Um, and, you know, that happened, you know, over a series of, you know, 80-plus 80 years to get to where we are today, a, a three-plus billion-dollar uh, sales company that uh, is now doing business, uh, you know, uh, across many, you know, many states in middle America. My guest today is Darren Copeland. He's the public relations manager at Prairie Farms Dairy, which is based in Edwardsville, Illinois. Just had an absolutely banner year. Uh, Darren, pre-pandemic, there seemed to be a lot of talk about how the dairy industry was in a tough place. People said that places like Walmart were putting such a squeeze on prices that it was almost impossible for dairy farms to make money. Uh, How have you been able to navigate that situation? Yeah, you know, pre-pandemic... Um, we, we definitely saw more competition from uh, plant-based products and, uh, and also more competition for, uh, for dairy-based products. And so when you're, when you're trying to uh, fill out the dairy space um, and you only have a certain amount of shelf space available, um, you have to do things to stand out. And, and so one of the things we do here is we're constantly looking at ways that we can innovate and grow through new products. And so we're making investments in our plants and products to make sure that uh, we stay relevant and um, offering products that consumers want and therefore uh, retailers want to include on their uh, their planograms. Hmm. Give me an example of that. What's something that you've rolled out in recent years that has been a hit? <clears throat> One of the greatest, one of the greatest hits, probably in the last year and a half, was the uh, introduction of our new premium small batch ice cream, hmm. and um, we placed a, a focus on not only an ice cream that's that's rich and creamy, made with local milk and cream, but one that includes uh, a lot of inclusions. People are really into inclusions in their ice cream right now, and and um, we found that uh, when you take those inclusions, put them in a, in a, in a great base of ice cream with natural ingredients, uh, people will want your product. And, and they, have, um, they have turned out to um, really make that, you know, one of our shining stars here in the last couple of years. When you talk about inclusions, you mean things like, uh, say, cookie dough, that kind of stuff? Exactly, or peanut butter banana. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Cherry chocolate funk. We have, uh, we have some great flavors in that um, premium ice cream line. Hmm. So just heading towards fancy ice cream, that, that seems like that's been a good key for you. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And, and that kind of speaks back to um, what I mentioned earlier about the indulgence uh, consumer mm-hmm. during the pandemic. We've, we've seen more of those folks that um, have come out and, you know, they're looking for indulgence, they're looking for, consu- or for comfort foods, there's also the other half of the folks that are uh, the health conscience. And so we, we have a line of products to appeal to those folks as well. So you mentioned the plant-based milks, I guess nut milks. I, I don't know if I'm using exactly the right word here, but this seems to be this big thing where people want that milk taste, but they're not interested in dairy. Are, do, are you guys doing anything within that space, or do you see yourself as the alternative to that? You know, right right now we're we're the alternative to that. And, you know, we, we recognize it's in the market. Um, there, there's definitely um, a consumer, you know, base for that. But when you look at the big picture, when you look at the big um, graph chart, if you will, of a plant versus um, dairy milk, mm-hmm. um, we still rule the category. And yes, plant-based beverages have, have experienced a growth, but so have we. And, and um, we're coming out of this um, pandemic uh, seated in a position to do very well. And, and um, you know, I'm very proud to say that, um, you know, our dairy farmers work really hard to provide freshest uh, 
locally produced milk available, and, and it's, it, you can really make the case for just how much nutrition that uh, dairy milk provides uh, and the cost factor of it. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get that nutrition. Can't say as much about the plant-based beverages in terms of, uh, of cost or nutrition when that stacks up against us. Hmm. So you don't really see these alternative milks. They haven't made a big uh, dent in the demand for, for actual milk. Well, no question they have, uh, they have found their place on, uh, on store shelves. But again, if you, uh, if you walk into a grocery store right now, you're going to find just as much, if not more, of the uh, traditional dairy-based uh, products and milks as you will, uh, plant-based. And, um, you know, it seems right now the plant-based, there's a lot of experimentation going on. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of years ago it was soy milk, and then it was something else, and I believe this this year it might be oat. Oat Uh, milk. Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, it's hard to say, is that, are those trends going to continue, or is it uh, just something that people are trying, um, experimenting with? I don't know. But, I can tell you that we, we plan to do our part to, to continue making dairy and, uh, you know, our milk uh, relevant to today's consumer. Hmm. One last thing I did want to ask you about in our last couple minutes here. I know that um, pre-pandemic prairie farms would make donations to this milk cap program. Um, that goes to places like food banks. Is that right? That's correct. Um, it's called Our Caps, Your Cause. And, um for every milk cap from one of our gallons or half gallons of milk, uh, there's a little code on the top of those milk caps, and you can go to our website at prairiefarms.com, and you can sign up to use um, the R Caps Your Cause program, and that um, five cents from that milk cap uh, goes towards your favorite charity. Hmm. And um, we've yeah, we've got a variety of charities on there that um, have been using the program for a number of years and, and do very well. So. So, yeah, the next time you're at the grocery store and you pick up a gallon of our milk, make sure to save those caps and um, donate them towards uh, your favorite uh, charitable organization. So I understand you've also donated a bunch of thousand, a thousand gallons of milk and more to healthcare workers. Did that come through that program or was that a separate uh, initiative? No, those are, you know, those are separate opportunities that um, came up. You know, last year, a lot of those opportunities were related to uh, healthcare workers and the pandemic and and just making sure that we were taking care of those folks, um, providing milk and ice cream and, and, and other donations to, to our essential workers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've been doing that for years anyway, but last year it just made sense to, uh, to do it even more for the folks that, um, you know, putting their necks on the line, you know, for our health every day. Well, that is great to hear. And it's great to hear what a great year you had. Who knew that fancy ice cream would be the key to winning 2020? If only we'd all known this in 2019. Uh, Darren Copeland of Prairie Farms Dairy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Have a great week. And if you want to get more information on that program that's called Our Caps, Your Cause, we'll make sure to get that on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.